0: Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning, and again, as well, those over in uh, Stevens Point in Appleton. Good morning to you guys. I'm doing a series uh, this summer called Ask the Pastor, uh, where you guys are picking the themes uh, of my messages, so I'm answering questions that you've uh, been sending in. Now, this last week, I got this really great question, and it goes like this. Pastor, how do I overcome my baggage. Sound familiar? (laughs) How do I overcome my history? How do I get rid of all this stuff that I'm carrying in my life? That's what we're going to take a look at this morning. Now, in uh, the letter to the Roman church, Paul wrote to them uh, a lot of significant truths. One whole section, he was really talking about how to live as a victorious Christian. And there we read in uh, about the 12th chapter in the letter to the Romans where he says this. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And make no mistake, the world is desperately trying to squeeze you into its pattern. Don't think it's not. Uh, And uh, oftentimes I think we just lose the sight of how often we act and think, react, reach for the same help the people outside of faith do. It tends to affect us. We need to be careful that we don't fit into the pattern of this world. But instead, instead he says, be transformed. Transformed? How do we be transformed? Well, he tells us, by the renewing of your mind, you have to change the way you think. If you will change the way you think, it will literally transform your life. Of course, the question is, change our minds with what? Well, you should do it with the most powerful change agent the universe has ever known. And that is the Word of God. The powerful, life changing Word of God. And I truly think, as contemporary Christians today, we've lost sight of how powerful this is. This will change any circumstance, any situation, any amount of baggage or guilt or troubles that you are carrying. Will be transformed with this. You see, you mean forgiven? No. We come to God, you ask him to forgive you, he forgives you. He comes into your life, you know, it's a pretty easy step. But doesn't mean you'll start living a victorious Christian life. A lot of people are, you know, quite frankly, miserable Christians. <laughs> they got just enough of God in them to make them miserable. <laughs> you know, they can't go party like they used to, and they know, but they don't really get in, and they're just kind of eh, living between two worlds and you will struggle, you want to change your life, you do with this. This is no ordinary book. This contains the very words, precepts, concepts, and thoughts of God himself. That if you get this into your head, it will change you. Now, the Bible will do you absolutely no good as a talisman. All right? This does not keep away evil spirits. People actually think that. Well, I'm gonna have a Bible to keep me. No, it doesn't you. you got a Bible in your house, the devil sitting on your Bible laughing at you. <laughs> you can put a Bible under your pillow at night, won't do anything but give you a crooked neck. There's nothing magical about this. It's just in of itself right here, it's just pages. That's all it is. Until you read it. And the truth of what's in here gets into here, it will literally transform your life. Change it from black into hallelujah. Personally, I prefer hallelujah to black. In Hebrews, we read these words. For the word of God is alive and active. Not just a bunch of words. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It'll penetrate even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. You want something that'll cut to the core of who you are? To separate your junk? To set you free from stuff? The answer is the word of God. It will cut right to the very part of you that needs the healing to be set free. The word of God is extremely powerful. We read about it in Genesis, the first chapter, and these words that almost everybody knows, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. In fact, the whole creation account is how the universe reacted to what God said. He didn't use some incredible technology. He didn't. Do, he merely spoke it, and it came into being. That is the power of God's word. You start to start to get your head around that. It'll start changing your life. You'll start to value this. The reason we don't value this is, quite frankly, we don't understand the power of those words. In the letter to the Colossians, Paul writes this, for in him all things were created, Things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, water. everything you see, everything you experience today is a result of God speaking it into existence. John, in his gospel, writes these words, in the beginning, very first chapter, verse verse, in the beginning was the word. So it boils down to the word. The spoken word of God creates life itself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Nothing that you see, no matter what you look at on the face of the earth, everything that exists, the hills, the mountains, the oceans, whatever you're on vacation and camping out and looking at the incredible, the star, all of that existed merely because of what was spoken by God. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And then this is the tie-in. He says, the word became flesh. See, Jesus is the word. That's what the Bible calls him. The word incarnate. Fancy biblical word, incarnate. Use that this week. Word incarnate. It's the word became flesh. That's what happened when Jesus came into the earth. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, talking about Jesus. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. You want to be transformed? You do so by the word of God. I'm sorry, I got the attention span of a fly. According to the timer down there, I should have been done preaching by now. I don't think that's quite accurate or I'm talking really slow. Can somebody fix that? (laughs) All right, moving on. Now, here's the thing. Paul said, don't get caught up in the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of this world? In today's culture, if you want to overcome your damage and your baggage, you go to counseling. Counseling. You need counseling. Everybody needs counseling. Counseling, all the jacked-up people in counseling absolutely permeated our culture. Why? Because we listen to so much culture coming from Hollywood. And all of them are in therapy because they're all jacked up because they live like crazy. They do everything that says not to do and don't do anything it says to do. Their life's a mess. Oh, I go to therapy. I go to counseling. Counseling, 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 counseling. And if you don't think that's the effective the church, as Paul said to watch out for, I challenge you. When most people in the church are struggling, They say, I need counseling. That's what I need. I need counseling. Counseling, 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 counseling. Now, it's not like professional counseling. Now, already, these are one of these sermons that I'll preach and then somebody will say later, I said something I didn't say. Already with fear and trembling, I proceed. All right? Don't go here saying... Mark's against counseling. Mark's not against counseling. I'm just putting it into context for you. It's not like professional counseling has a high success rate. Look at all the jacked up people that are in counseling for years and years and years. It doesn't necessarily set people free and bring them healing. It helps them to cope. And if they're really highly educated counselors, they can give you drugs. Then you walk around in a drug-induced state. not a victorious situation. It's a coping situation. Even people go for marriage counseling. Now, I'll talk about, more about this in a minute, about basic counseling that we do, but I'm talking about this therapy, this professional counseling. Now, if you're a professional counselor listening to me right now, don't write me and tell me how off I'm at. If you have great success, by all means, let us know who you are so we can send people to you. But you know that your industry, at a great level, has an abysmal success rate. 80% of people who go in, for example, marriage counseling end up in divorce. Can you imagine Aurora Hospital, just down the road from here, that if 80% of the people that went in there came out dead? No, well, I'm serious. And everybody would clap. That's great. We sent 100 of you down, 200 of you come back, you're one of the great ones, woo This is what the counsel. This is the kind of success rate that counseling has. I think I have all the reasons for it, but really, this is your hope. This is the hope of mankind. It's not. I feel that churches have slipped into this pattern. But listen to me. The church is not supposed to be some kind of social service agency that provides free mental health counseling to people. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. And more and more churches are overwhelmed with this. And their go-to call now is counselors. We need people who do counseling. We need to hire professional counselors in the church. We need counseling and more counseling and counseling, 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 counseling. What are we doing? We're falling into the pattern of the world that Paul said, look out for. Now, let me say this about counseling. First of all, we will happily do pastoral counseling for you. All right? That I believe in big time. Going to a third party, somebody else, someone like a pastor, saying, man, I am struggling, I'm jacked up, I've got so. can you help me? I do this personally. I have pastors that I call and talk to. I have them come here and preach every so often. These are men that I respond to. When I'm going through stuff, I call them, I check in with them. That's healthy, that's good. You need counseling in your marriage? By all means, come and see us. But we're talking, you know, one, two, three times. We'll give you perspective and we'll point you to this. And if you will live this out, it will change your marriage. I can't help it, Pastor. What do you mean you can't help? I scream, you know, I come for counseling. I scream and curse at my husband. Okay, don't do that. That's the wisdom that I have. (laughs) I'm serious. On the way home, they're screaming and cursing at each other. They do it all week. They come in the next week. How'd you do? I screamed and cursed at them all week. Don't do that. Same thing over and over. And they will meet with you to your dead in the grave. They keep reliving this stuff over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then when they figure that you're a failure, see, it's not their problem, it's that you're a lousy counselor. They go find somebody else, suck their life slowly out of them. And they go to professional counseling. It's like, you know, at least there, they're paying for it. When you start charging people, man. <laughs> By a new church. <laughs> over and over again, caught in. I'm all for the pastoral counseling. You come in, we help you get another perspective. I'm telling you, this some of you, it'll save your marriage. Listen to what I do. When people come to me, I rarely meet with a couple more than three times. The vast majority one time, two times, boom, it straightens out. oh, 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 okay, boom, and they go act on, and they're happily, I, we've had people on the verge of divorce. They had filed papers, they came to see me, spent the morning with me, boom, they've been sitting in church happily for the last five years. That's all it takes. If you'll listen, if you'll get the perspective, okay? So first of all, that's what we do, pastoral counseling. Number two, we don't really do professional mental health counseling. You have to understand this. Most pastors, think of any pastor you know, have ever, ever known. Most pastors in America, throughout the world, have had as much counseling training as the guy who fixes your car. Are you hearing me? You go to school for years and years and years. Do you have any maybe you did? Do you have any counseling? Oh, you did. Here's an exception. Pastor Nathan, go see him. But in terms of but, but even then, it's not the mental health kind of stuff. Most pastors I've talked to, they've been six years of school. You ever do anything No, we never talked anything about counseling. We're not that kind of counselors. We're pastoral counselors. You'll have as much Mental health success meeting with us, as you will with your mechanic. That's encouraging. But thirdly, if for whatever reason you do need this professional counseling, we will happily refer you to those who do that. But we don't do that. That's not what we do. And it's not right that we take your money that you donate to our organization and hire full-time people who spend all of their time meeting with the same five people all year long. Are you hearing me? That's not what we do. At some point, we'll meet with you, we'll give you the perspective. If you can't get this, we send you on to somebody else, or it will cost you money. And then you won't go to them anyway. The answer to the world's messed up people is not counseling. It's, it's not like heart surgery. There's a lot of success with heart surgery. its You could go in totally blocked up and jacked up right now. We'll drag you out of here. They'll get you in there. They'll put a stint in you, pop the thing open, and send you home for dinner. That's amazing, right? When we were young, they didn't have stuff like this. At the middle, they just crack you open and try and fix it. I mean, they, just, they do it with, literally, they don't even cut you open. Go up a vein, fix stuff. That's impressive. But that's not counseling. That's not the kind of success record they have. The answer to the world's messed up people is not counseling. The church of Jesus Christ has not changed countless millions of people's lives for the last 2,000 years through counseling. That's not how we do this. We've never done it this way. The church has never been into this. Except now. Now we're all turning into counselors. Because we're falling into the pattern of the world. That's the answer. Talk me through my stuff. That's not the answer. People's lives in the church have been always transformed through one thing, the word of God. This will change you. No matter how jacked up you are, no matter how messed up you are, no matter how dysfunctional of a past you've been through, no matter how abused you've been, neglected, despised, and spat upon, this will change your life. That is the power of this. Oh, well, it's easy for you to say, pals, you came from a good background. You don't know my background. I went through my background. Just put this together. Just doing this was depressing me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I went through, I started feeling bad. No wonder some of you feel so bad. You live like this all the time. You're constantly rehearsing this all the time. I came from a dysfunctional family. <laughs> a divorced family. I've never met my real father. People ask me all the time, does that really hurt you? No. I'm sure he's a nice guy, wherever he is. Maybe we should meet him wherever he's rich. Inherit hurts money. Divorced family. I barely graduated from high school. And when I say that, I mean they should have flunked me. Oh, there's no doubt. No doubt. There's only one reason they did not flunk me. They did not want me back. And I am not kidding, that's not a punchline, it's the truth. I was a disaster. Had absolutely no discipline. My brothers and I were just (laughs) animals. (laughs) When I say that, I'm not talking we were rambunctious young men. So we were bad. We were really, really, really bad. And we did bad things. We were always getting in trouble with the police and breaking the law. And one brother, man, he got shipped off to juvenile prison for a year and a half. We were bad. Did bad things. My dad, bless his heart, he beat. He beat me. But back then, they beat everybody. That's what dads did. They beat the snot out of you. Any of you remember this? Yeah. Oh, if you spank your kids, they'll be mentally destroyed for the rest of their lives. Really? And I get welts on me that'll take days to heal. I was a dope head. Seriously. From age fourteen to sixteen. I don't remember anything. <laughs> I was in a cloud. <laughs> Completely oblivious. I have no memories. Very few, usually bad things I did. I did LSD, like I needed something like that to help me. (laughs) I wasn't crazy enough, I needed a pill to make me even crazier. How did you straighten your life? My brothers, some of them were reflected very badly from this. I have an older brother, he's never recovered from it. All the stuff I just mentioned all his life, in counseling. If you're meet him today, he's in a drugged up state. They have him so drugged, he just lives in zombie land. And thank God for that. If that's what you need, thank God. Couldn't function, can't function, because of all this baggage. Because the difference between him and me is I hung on to this and he rejected this. I have another brother also. Rejected this. He's a disaster. Another brother who also hung on it. Those of us who took this and put this into our lives, completely healed, completely set free. We didn't go through any counseling. We literally went through this. This changed us. It, as Paul said, transformed us. The Bible says we've been transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into his dear son. But you want to be transformed? You have to do it on purpose. How do you do it? You do it with the word of God. Don't be confirmed to the pattern of the be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let this change you. Number one, you have to read it. Now, I won't ask you people in Stevens Point to raise your hand, or in Appleton to raise your hand, or here in Green Bay to raise. Your hand. How many of you read the Bible every day? I don't want you to, to raise your hand because number one, I don't want the other ones to feel bad, and I don't want to be depressed. <laughs> Most people do not read this every day. They just don't. I know that. Well, I got problems, Pastor. You think? How come I'm not transformed? I don't know. Maybe you don't read this every day. You need to get this inside of you. One of the best ways you can get it inside is go to church. Go to church. You need to come to church. Now, in Green Bay, in Wisconsin in general, if you're a devout Christian, you go to church at least once or twice a month. That, that's their version of you. Your friends and your family find out you go to church twice a month. Man, you're crazy. But that's just on the edges, man. Look, I'm glad you come on whatever occasion. Some of you, I'm catching you this month. Nice to see you. That's not devout. You're not going to get into this. Every study about people who are truly devout Christians says they're healthier, they're happier, they have less uh, mental health issues, their marriages are better, their kids are healthier, everything, they make more money even. I mean, everything about this. And every time you read these studies, it's not small print, look at it. It defi- defines a devout Christian, even during this presidential election, okay? And all the crazies are out in full flow. Oh, boy, this is going to be a riot for the next months, all right? And they always refer to the evangelical vote, right? You've heard this, right? The evangelical. Do you know what they define as an evangelical? Anybody who churches church, attends church more than once a week. That group, that's who they're talking. They're not talking about people who come twice a month. To them, you're not even a devout evangelical, even by the world standards. More than once a week. People say, well, do you have mass every day? No, we don't do mass every day. We, just, we have service on Sunday, and then we have Wednesday night. We have connect groups that meet during the week. The people who attend these things all the time These are the healthy people. These are the ones who have better marriages. These are the ones who don't have the issues. They've been set free from all this baggage because they now walk in the light of God's word and it changes them. Say, Pastor, I don't understand the Bible. Come to our Bible study, Wednesday nights. I know you don't come because I know who's here on Wednesday nights. And I didn't, most of you. Or you guys over there. I get the reports. Ten people in Appleton. Or is it five? Ten in Stevens Point. We're all so busy. Or if you're too busy, man, you're too busy. At a minimum, if your work and everything makes it so you can't come, we got these incredible things called computers. You can click and listen to every sermon I've ever preached. Every, every time, anytime you miss a Bible song, you can click it at any time. You can sit on the throne. <laughs> and listen to my Bible study. I don't want to know, but you can do that. Oh, no, I can't. Pastor, I can't. I'm so busy. Really? Because you watch two hours of nightlight night light TV, late night TV every day. You can't shut that off for an hour? Sit in, in your bed, shut off the stupid TV, get the Bible study, get it in you. Why? It'll change you. Well, I don't understand it. That's the point of the Bible study. This is what it means. This is what that means. This is what that means. This is how we got changed. When we became Christians, we were all jacked up. We were a mess. My wife, she comes from a jacked up family too. Divorce there, divorce here. We've been married for 43 years. (laughs) The ones in our family who haven't have gone through multiple marriages. Multiple, because they carry the baggage that we escaped. How'd you guys get, were you lucky? We weren't lucky, we got into this. When we got, became Christians, we were 16 years of age, we went to church every Sunday. And back in those days, they also had church services Sunday night. We don't do that anymore, personally, thank God. <laughs> I want to relax a little. But we went every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, everyone, everyone, never stopped. And on top of that, we went to Bible classes, prayer meetings, us. Why? Because we were transformed by this. Transformed. Wow. We became totally different human beings because of this. The power of this. You come to me, Pastor, how can I change? There's no magic bullet. There's not a counselor that's going to do this. You want to get changed? You do this on purpose. You got to get it in you. It will change you. And your kids need this. Wednesday night, bring your kids on Wednesday. You should be here for the Bible says the kids should be and the youth, the teens. And guys, this is just predictable. I love you. I'm not mad. I'm really not mad. I told my wife last night, "I'm going to not be mean. I'm not going to be mean today. I'm going to be nice." I'm going to be a nice pastor. Nice pastor, nice pastor. <laughs> I'm not mad at anybody, but it's predictable. As the day is long. Who do you think It's likely to have kids that are successful young men and women in their faith. The ones who are here all the time on Wednesdays are the ones who never come. Absolutely predictable. The ones who never come, well, we got sports, we got this, there's a fly that landed on his ear, we can't go, you know, something, you know, oh, you you got all your reasons, you can't do it, oh, I can't do it, I can't with your kids, their closest friends are non-Christians and they'll go and they'll start dating non-Christian boys and non-Christian girls and go to col- college with non-Christians and start having sex and drugs and get all jacked up and living together and you'll ask me to come and pray for your kid. That's this category. Or you have this category that generally doesn't have that problem. It's as predictable. as I. Yet most of you, you're listening, I'm looking at you right now, most of you don't come. I'm not mad at you. I'm not, I just said, you want a quick shortcut. There's no shortcuts to this. You have to do this on purpose. Speaking of shortcuts, we were on a boat yesterday. Beautiful day. And uh, we're out with uh, David and Callista Troop. They're very experienced boaters. They were going to spend the day with us to improve my skills. Anyway, so we go, we're having fun. So he's telling us he was raised on the water. And he, as a young guy, was part of, you know, if there was, uh, a, you know, a boat sinking or on fire or something. He was part of the crew that would go out and help him and stuff. So anyway, he tells me the story. You see, this lady, she's just, just barking at her husband. Hurry up, let's So the guy, so he starts taking shortcuts and he gets too close to shore because he's trying to cut through to get home because she's all the time. And he hits a rock. Boom, rips a big hole inside of the boat. They're sinking. So all these guys come out, they're hopping, they get out there. Everybody gets on the boat except the wife. I don't want to get in that thing. I don't want to get in that thing. And the boat's sinking. It's sinking. I don't want to get in. You need to. No, I don't like those little things. You're sinking. Finally. She jumps for help. Now they got to grab her. They're in the water with one hand hanging on to the dinghy. Or boat, whatever the heck it is. The other hand, they're linking arms under her bottom. And apparently she was a healthy lady and they're doing everything they can to lift her bottom out of the water into the boat. He's telling the story, it's hilarious listening to the story and the whole time they're trying to help her, she's yelling at him. Oh, that sounds like pastoring to me. No pastor, I don't wanna do that. No, no, we're too busy, no, we can't do that. No, we don't have any problems. Oh yeah, pastor help me! Then me and Latham and Joe grabbing your butt and we're trying to get you out of the boat. Some of you, I'm just gonna let you go, man. She couldn't just step in the boat. They're sinking. They know they're sinking. Everything's getting worse in their life, it's alive. life, oh, just pray for me. Pray for you. I'm telling you, a lot of people use prayers as an absolute, total cop-out. Prayer is not a substitution for doing the right thing. Somebody say Amen. You go to church, you read the Bible, you guard what comes in your head. You get this in you, it'll change you. Finally, and I'll read a verse that starts with the word finally. (laughs) Philippians says this, Paul writes, finally brothers and sisters. And he gives them a list of things to think about. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why? Because he understood you're transformed here. This is where your transformation comes from. Nobody has a magic bullet for you to get rid of your baggage and your garbage. You change this. You become different. At some point, you realize you'll be like me. You got to sit down and remember all your junk to even think about it. Some of you guys, you never quit thinking about your junk. He gives us a list, whatever is good, noble, praiseworthy, good things. Let me tell you what's not on that list. Whoever has hurt you is not on that list. Whoever has lied to you is not on that list. Whoever has disappointed you, abused you, cheated you, frustrated you is not on that list. Your mistakes are not on that list. Your sins, your failures, all your bad choices, none of that is on that list. You should live the kind of life and think in such a way that you have got to actually stop and remember how jacked up you were. That's what you do because we've been transformed. The Bible says, out of the kingdom of darkness into His kingdom of his dear son. And those of you who live this way, and you know what I'm talking about. You actually gotta go ahead, oh man, I guess that was pretty icky. But so many people live back here. They're constantly walking like this. And they bump into things. And they fall off cliffs. Pastor, why did I fall? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if you look forward, you wouldn't fall. This isn't rocket science. My parents, God bless them, they're no longer with us. But uh, at one point in their marriage, they were doing really bad. They were fighting all the time. They were at each other's throats. Just It was nasty bad. Then they both got dementia. And they couldn't remember they hated each other. True. They would hold hands kiss and flirt and everything like who are you two people it was actually rather comical right i'll never forget when my when my dad died he took his last breath we're all in the room my mother goes oh we never fought is that what needs to happen to you Does God need to allow you to get dementia? Is that how you're going to finally get free of this? Your past? Your mistakes? Your baggage? Is that what needs to happen? Your memory's totally shot. You won't recognize anybody. You won't know who you are or where you are. Is that what needs to happen? Is that what needs to happen? Dementia sets in and then finally you stop being angry at people. Stop being angry at your husband all the time. Bitter at your wife. Bitter at all the people who robbed you and did stuff Is that what needs to be happen? I hope not. I pray not. How about we get free now? <laughs> People used to ask, can your wife counsel me, women? Could your wife counsel me? Sure. Sure, she'll counsel you. But Debbie Gunger has a very strict rule on counseling. At the very first meeting, you can tell her all your history. All your woes, all your gripes, all your abuse, all your doubt, every, everybody who done anything wrong. The whole country music song. <laughs> you can give it all to her. And you get it out. She's like, okay. Now you can never mention it again. We'll see you next week. Come next week. First thing they want to do, they start bringing it up. Not, 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 not. We don't do that. I told you, you can tell me one time. But I have no, 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 you told me, we're done, we move on. They quit coming to see her. <laughs> She's free, by the way, if you want to come see her. I mean, just... <clears throat> You really want to change, you really want to be transformed, you really want to overcome all your baggage. I'm telling you, I've lived this, I have seen it, it has never changed, it will never change. The one way that you get transformed, literally transformed, where the scripture becomes real to you that anyone who is in Christ is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. The way you literally make it happen, there's only one way, this way. You get the sinew. It will change your life. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness and your grace. Lord, you forgive us. You're very quick to forgive us. But Lord, there's a part that we have to do after that. It's called change the way we think. That, not so easy. For some bizarre reason, we feel safe in embracing all our hurts and wounds. Lord, a lot of people are hurting today, and legitimately so. Their list is a lot worse than mine. But Father, help them to understand The key to transformation is not to make peace with your past. You've forgiven our past. The key is to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Help us to take your word, the most powerful, creative, healing, changing agent in the history of the universe. Your word to get it in us and make us new. In Jesus' name I pray, make this real. Amen. God bless you guys.